Good morning and uh, welcome to another podcast. I'm Michael Tomes, I'm the founder of Creative Pool. Uh, today on a rather less than spectacular spring day, I'm here with the CEO, is that what your current job title is? Yeah, now? soon to be pre- uh, chairman. President. President. Soon to be chairman. Uh, CEO Phil Thomas, um, uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about what happened in the festival, this, uh, what's happening in the festival this year and go back through a few few questions um, you know, about what CAN is for and all those types of businesses. So, good morning, Phil. Morning. Um, taking, uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Um, I guess the best place to start is um, you know, for people who don't really know what CanLion is, the CanLion Festival, you know, what is CanLion? Well, CanLions is a 65-year-old festival of creativity, really. It began as, a, as an event for the advertising, in, well, actually, it began as an event for the production industry, so originally it was for um, uh, cinema ads, and it was launched just after the film festival as a kind of antidote to the film festival was celebrating the movies, and there was a feeling that we should celebrate the, the adverts that go be- before the movies. So for many, many years, it was a fil- effectively a film advertising festival. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the last sort of 20 years, it's grown into um, a celebration of all types of, of creativity. And there are two parts of it. There's the, um, the event itself, which has a lot of different speakers and events happening in Cannes. And there is the award, the Lion, um, which fulfills a, a slightly different purpose. And who is CanLine for? It's really for anyone who has made the decision that creativity will drive their business. Mm-hmm. Because I think um, when you look at businesses, starting with the customers, starting with the clients, um, what they're looking for is growth. So if you look at Procter & Gamble or Unilever or any of the really big uh, companies, um, the thing they're finding hard to find is growth. So there are increasing numbers of businesses who have realized that the way to growth is to unlock creativity in their organizations, not only through their marketing, but in their entire structure. So really can is for those businesses that have, have made that kind of intellectual jump. And the purpose of the festival is to shine a spotlight on what creativity can do for your business, mm-hmm. who's doing the best work, what that best work looks like and how you can embed it into your organization in order to be more successful. And that's an interesting point on and that uh, the idea of, of creativity. Does is creativity defined purely as advertising? Is that how you see it? No, not at all. I mean, I think the, uh, the definition of creativity has moved on a long way. We changed the name of the festival from the festival advertising to the Festival of Creativity about seven years ago because we could see what was changing. There was creativity in media, in PR, in design, and in numerous other areas, digital. So it's definitely not about advertising. It's really about the broader broader proposition of creativity in, in the organization. We, we have a lot of research and data to prove that creativity is uh, effective. Um, Lion-winning work tends to be much more effective for clients, has a better ROI. People like McDonald's have done research on that, Heineken have done research on that, and they've found that lion-winning work um, actually sells more stuff. Uh, In the case of McDonald's, 54% more um, return on investment from lion-winning work. In the case of Heineken, 45% more more, uh, return on investment. So I think, 
they've realised that creativity can drive your uh, your return on investment, and that needs to be right through your entire organisation, not just through your, in your marketing. So you mentioned two brands then, um, rather than talking about agencies. Uh, has that been a big shift in what's happened with the festival? The brands are being more involved in you know what happens during the week and. Are they entering more awards as well? Yeah, great question. I mean, the whole brand thing is very interesting, really. It began in sort of 2003, so we're looking at 15 years ago when um, Procter & Gamble and Unilever decided to come uh, to... uh, Previous to that, it was really just advertising agencies that came to the festival. Post that, clients started to come. And when Procter & Gamble said, "We, we are going to attend Cannes to learn about creativity, them being the biggest marketer in the world, a lot of other marketers started to take notice. So what we got at the moment is about 25% of our uh, delegates are marketers. Mm -hmm. Um, Of the top 25 spenders in the world, 23 of them will be attending this year. Uh, We've got just about every household name that you could mention, Procter & Gamble, Unilever, Nestle, Diageo. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and on. Mm. So in terms of their attendance, they're, they're, they're a very, very big part of the festival. And to your second question about are they entering more awards, it's really interesting because I was talking to someone about this yesterday. Yes, they are. And last year, the work that was created in-house by clients increased by 65%. Yeah. And this year, I think we will see, if not the same, probably even bigger increase mm. in the amount of work coming out of client organisations. Interesting. Mm. So let's move on to the festival. Um, we made a number of changes for this year's festival, um, and I just wanted to run a few sort of key ones. Uh, you cut down the days of the festival. What was the reasoning behind that? Really, that was, um, that was in response to some of our core clients. Uh, our core customers really are still advertising agencies, so they send the most people, and they are under a certain amount of pressure in terms of their current trading they're looking for things to be cheaper and that's really driven by their own um, relationships with marketers because marketers are asking for them to do things cheaper so everybody's trying to find savings and the thing about Cannes it was an eight-day festival of course it's not there is a there is a cost to that that includes hotels and lunches and dinners and being away from the office and rosé and all the rest of it (laughs) So that's quite a big cost. So we thought, well, I wonder whether we can create the same experience, but in a much more focused time frame. Yeah. So let's do it on a week, on a working week, Monday to Friday. Uh, so it's an experiment. We'll see how we go. But I we, personally think it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah I, th- I, think, I think the other good thing is it'll mean people will stay for the whole week, probably, yeah. whereas previously people would come well, and go. Exactly, we've got people starting on a Sunday or come, you know, not getting there till Wednesday, but now, yeah. Yeah, and it will save my liver, so I'm more than happy with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was a change on the festival, and then the change on the awards was I think people were saying, look, um, maybe there are too many lions, uh, too many opportunities to win, and maybe the same piece of work is winning a lot, because once you get a piece of work like Fearless Girl or, or some of the famous pieces that have won in the past, they do tend to win a lot. They do. So what we did was we cut the number of categories, we limited the number of categories people could enter. So the hope there is that although our entries will probably go down, that the quality will remain and we'll get more of a mix of work. Mm-hmm. So one of the most controversial, uh, I felt, things that you did last year was the restrictions on which bars you could get into. Um, did that work? What was the reasoning behind that? Well, what we did was 
in the main hotels, so obviously it wasn't the whole of Cannes because it's a free world, but in the main hotels, uh, we asked people to register um, if they were going into the hotels. And we did that for a couple of reasons, I suppose. The first reason was there are many, many people that go to Cannes and don't register for the festival. And that's not good for the people who do register and do enter the work because they're the ones who actually pay the money to create the platform. But there are a lot of people who kind of what I would call hangers on and they come down to the festival and they don't really contribute anything. Yeah. So we wanted to know who they were. So it was a data gathering exercise, really. We wanted to know who they were. Um, and really what we found was quite a lot of them were our current customers. Mm. So in other words, the big advertising agencies, they send a lot of people to register, but actually they also send a lot of people to do business. Okay. Um, and that was a, an interesting learning for us because obviously we don't want to restrict those people. Mm. Um, and the number of people who actually don't engage with us but just rock up to Cannes and leech off the festival was actually relatively small. Yeah. So we found out what we wanted to find out okay, good. and uh, we won't be doing it this year. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, because I, I, um, that's what I felt when, you know, when I heard that that's what you guys were doing. I kind of understood what, you know, why you were doing it. I could see the, you know, the idea behind it. But you know, one of the, I think one of the best things about Cannes is the fact that you know, this is a global gathering of you know, the best creative people from around the globe. Um, and sometimes not everyone wants to go to the talks. And yeah. Urban, but they, having, having those people out there and being able to enjoy the experience and do business, you know, I think that helps the Cannes uh, mm. Festival brand. Um, I think it's what you know keeps the whole thing ticking along. Um, you know, a lot of people can't go every year as well. You know, sometimes mm. you can't afford to yeah to go in for the festival this year, but next year you might do. Yeah. You know. So yeah. I thought it was. I'm glad that you've dropped that because I think uh, yeah. you know, that that wider network of people who do go along is a big part of why people go along in the first place. So. Yeah, it was quite controversial. I mean, we felt there are a lot of events in Cannes who do that already. You know, there's a number of other events in Cannes lots of events in Cannes but there are several that do that already mm. you can hardly move in you know unless you're an official delegate um, but yeah so it's an experiment we won't, we won't be repeating it great um, big shift on speakers that I've noticed over the past you know, especially over the last five years you know, more than anything what do you mean by that like the types of speakers that are turning up you um, mean the, the breadth of them or yeah I mean before was I mean, there's a lot more brands, there's mm. a lot more celebrities, mm. uh, there's a lot more focus away from traditional advertising folk coming on and telling you about their latest campaign, which was kind of the content of you know, 10 years ago, especially. Yeah. Um, I kind of understand some of the reasons behind it, but I'd love to hear you know, why you think the focus is changing. Yeah, and in fact, it's changing, shifting a little bit different this year as well, because to take your points um, in, in order, so the, the question of celebrities, um, we we do want some celebrities, but we want relevant celebrities who can actually help people and tell stories. What we don't want is celebrity for celebrity's sake. So this year in twenty eighteen, I think people will notice fewer, few actually fewer celebrities, mm -hmm. and we kind of deliberately gone that route because the feedback to us was it's quite exciting to have these celebrities, but really we're here to learn. Yeah. So unless we're learning from them, let's not do that. So there'll be slightly fewer celebrities. Um, we've tried to broaden the speakers. So this year, for, as an example, Apple are speaking, and that's the first time Apple have ever officially oh, spoken. Um, they very rarely speak anywhere, yeah, so that was very unusual. Amazon, so the chief creative officer of Amazon is speaking, and that's the first time they've spoken. 
And as you say, there will be more brands as well speaking. And the reason we want more brands is because we want them to be setting the agenda. Um, it's about what they want from their partners, what they want from creativity, and why they value creativity. Because uh, they're really the guys that pay all of our wages. Having said that, there are still lots of advertising agency rock stars. We've got David Drogo, we've got the Pandy Brothers, we've got YNR speaking, we've got, you know, there are numerous, uh, there are numerous agency rock stars as well. But we've just tried to broaden it out to make it as, uh, as rich as we possibly can. Great, excellent. Um, where are we now? So that I, I, I wrote an article, we kind of had a discussion about my, my article um, with the rather, I, I think, semi-controversial headline, uh, Do We Still Need Can? Mm -hmm. um, there was a few questions in there. I, I think as, as since we've spoken, you, and you do know that I am a big fan of what you guys do. Um, and I did want to sort of uh, you know, put out something that would make people start to think. Um, and there's, there's sort of three main questions in there that I, that I was posing. And um, you know, a lot of it was on the back of the publicists, you know, why, mm -hmm. why publicists have moved. Um, and was that gonna change things? And are people reevaluating where CAN sits in their agenda and whether or not they should be a part of it? So, I mean, it'd be nice to hear from you you know, what do the agencies and big networks get from a line, from winning a line? Yeah. Well, so if we take a step back, what do what do agencies get from winning an award? So let's put alliance aside for one minute. Let's look at an award. The the issue with creativity and, and the fact of the matter is agencies deal that is what they deal with. That is what that is their product. Creativity is their product. The problem with creativity is it is so incredibly subjective. If you are a banker, you can say, I'm good at my job because the last deal I did made a lot of money. And if you're a, if you're a, if you're a, a lawyer, you can say, I'm good at my job because I won the last five cases that I did. There are some very empirical ways to decide if somebody's good or not. Yeah. In the creative world, of course, it's incredibly subjective. So if I've produced a load of ads for, for a number of different clients, you might not like them, but I might like them. And who's right? So because of that, you need a benchmark. You need a benchmark to be able to say, in the view of a neutral bunch of jury members, the work that I do is world-class. Yeah. Right? So you can take it or leave it that that's what these people think. So that's why awards are so important for agencies, um, increasingly for other people as well. So increasingly for consultancies and for clients. They're looking at it for, for a number of reasons. So that first reason is the benchmark. Are we any good at what we do? Mm -hmm. And that is actually true for clients as well because they want to know whether their in-house teams are any good at what they do. Mm -hmm. So the benchmark's the first thing. The second thing is talent retention. It's a tough life being a creative, yeah? You spend your entire life pitching to people who stare at you like, they're, like you're from Mars. Tear your ideas to pieces, water them down, um, cut your budgets. You know, it's a really, really tough life. Yeah. In order to attract talent, they have to have something to celebrate. Mm -hmm. So the agencies that don't enter awards are very, very, very few and far between, and that is the reason. They need to say, we're really good at what we do, we celebrate what, what you do, we're, line, we're a line-winning agency, so there's that. And then the third element is you know, slightly more contentious, because you, know, you, you, you talk to different people and they have different views of this, but as a new business tool, you know, I've talked to agencies who say, we never ever go into a pitch 
without taking our lions with us, or physically taking our really? lions with us. Yeah. Okay. And then I've had other agencies saying, you know, it's nice to have, but it doesn't get us new business. You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. All I know is, anecdotally, a lot of people have told me it gets them new business. So really, I think that's the purpose of the lion. You know, those are the reasons why people need to win lions. And I think with publicists, what you'll find this year is there will be a very large number of publicist winners this year. They have found a way to enter yeah. because they kind of have to find a way to enter. Yeah. Um, you can't even take one year off. So I think that's the reason why, why um, winning a lion is valuable. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you kind of asked the other, one of the other questions I was going to ask, which was who is winning a pan lion for? Um, and like you say, it's talent. Uh, yeah, it's t- yeah, it is. It's those things. It's talent retention. It's uh, talent attraction. It's new business. Um, but perhaps most most importantly, it's 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 the benchmarking. Really, it's it's you know we're producing the best kind of work that we possibly can, and we've got a lot of huge number of um, uh, case studies of people whose businesses have exploded because they've won lions. Mm. Uh, or who've been acquired by uh, bigger organisations because they've become fam- famous because they've been lions. Um, and those agencies that have tried to say, let's not do that, I mean, there's a very famous example in, in Brazil. There's an agency called Africa in Brazil. And the purpose that they decided that they were going to launch and they weren't going to be an award-entering agency, right? So that was going to be their differentiation. We're not going to enter awards. What they found was that they had to pay their creatives exponentially more to join them mm. um, because it's a bit of a sad life not to ever be able to enter awards. Yeah. And they limped along for three or four years and then they changed their policy and they started to enter. So I think, they, I think agencies particularly find it very hard not to enter. I think one of the last questions, well, there's a couple of other things, but uh, one of the other questions I posed in that article was, um, can is expensive, you know, uh, going is expensive, um, entering is expensive, um, a huge girth of our industry is smaller agencies, you know, 30 and below. Um, and a lot of the times I don't feel they're necessarily represented. I mean, whether that's there, I don't know if they're entering or not. Um, you might be able to shed some light on that. Yeah. Um, but certainly when you see the winners, it tends to be quite often the usual suspects, you know, the, the larger networks um, and the larger agencies and venues, etc. Um, what is in, what is, how can, how can smaller agencies get involved in CAM? What's in it for them? Yeah, it's a great point. I think, um, well, let's look at the data sets. So roughly, broadly speaking, our entries go 50-50. In fact, so do our delegates roughly go 50-50. So 50% of the entries are from network agencies and 50% are from independent agencies or others. So PR agencies or clients or whoever. Um, so about 50%. And in terms of the um, ability to win, the, uh, the likelihood of winning a lion is 3%. And it has been 3% for 40 years. So every 100 entries you put in. But any line whatsoever. Any, the chances of winning line, yeah. And it, but it varies massively. Some people enter twice and win two lions. Yeah. Some people enter 400 pieces and don't win any lines. Yeah. But the average is, if I put 100 pieces in, I'm going to win three, three lions. That's roughly the average. Any line, gold, silver, bronze. 
Um, and the likelihood of winning is uh, the same for an, an independent agency as it is for a network agency. So therefore, if they're entering roughly half and they've got as much chance of winning, statistically you'll see if you go through the winners, it's about 50-50, non-agency, non-network, non, uh, non-network. Incidentally, just quickly going back to the clients, they are much less good at winning than the agencies. So that 3%, falls to one and a half percent with clients. Right. So they still, their work isn't good enough or they're not entering right or something's stopping them winning, but that's just an aside. So I think that's on the on the line side. On the, on the attendance side, yeah, I completely agree that Cannes is an expensive place to get to, it's an expensive place to be. Um, and we, uh, we do what we can to try and limit that. You know, we've got a, a massive range of hotels. Um, We've got deals with the restaurants, so delegates can get discounted uh, food. Um, we've got we're cap with cap prices in taxis from the airport, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And when I meet people sometimes, especially from Europe, um, and they tell me how much they've got, you know, you can do can really, really cheaply actually. If you try hard, I'm sure you I'm sure you've had experience yeah, of it. <laughs> you know, you can get an easy jet flight down, and you can get an Airbnb, and yeah, sure. you know, you can try and blag your way into as many parties as possible so you don't have to pay for your own food and drink. So I think there are ways to do it cheap, but I accept that it is um, expensive to be in camp. So then there's a the question, well, is it expensive to enter and to become a delegate? And that is really my job to make that valuable because it's not, nothing's expensive in its own right. You know, a Rolls Royce isn't expensive exactly. if you think it's valuable. Yeah. So it's my job to make it valuable. And if people are telling me it's not valuable, then obviously that I'm not doing my job right. Have you ever had any conversations internally of having a, a price for entries for, for different sizes of agencies? We have many, many times. So we've had, uh, it's funny because we've had, um, Developing countries saying it should be cheaper for us. Mm -hmm. We've had small agencies saying it should be cheaper for us. We've had big holding companies saying because we spend so much with yeah. you, it should be cheaper for us. And our response to all of that is that um, with the Lion, the price has to be the same for everyone. And the reason for that is that the journey to the stage to pick up a Lion has to be the same for everyone. So, for instance, if we said to one country or one group of people, you don't have to spend so much on your entries, that means that they would be, they would be unfairly, um, it would be, be unfair on everybody else. Because yeah, sure. they'd have more opportunity to enter, therefore more opportunity to win a line. And it's very, very important that everyone is on the same level playing field when, when it comes to that. So whilst we'd like to think about that, it's, um, it's very, it, it doesn't really work. What we are going to try and do next year, though, because one of the things that really clatters people is that we charge in euros. And some years that's good because the euro, euro goes down. And some years like this year, it's bad because the euro has strengthened, for instance, against the, the dollar mm. and against the pound. So that suddenly makes it much, much more expensive for people. So what we're going to try and do next year is um, allow people to just pay in their own local currency, which will at least help those fluctuations for them. I thought you were going to say start a bank. <laughs> yeah, I could start Headline a bank. bank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, last sort of point. I get, oh, well, I've got one other question on this, but uh, last point was 
you in your personal journey you kind of stepped away from being hands-on with the, the festival um, now you've come back in uh, and then you're chairman after this uh, after this festival um, you stepped away and came back you, what, what happened there what, what was the reasoning behind you coming back into the fold I think it's uh, to do with the challenges that we've got this year you know we've got it's pretty unique really I can't remember anything since 2009 which was the global financial crisis you know we've got a bit of a crunch we've got we're changing a lot about the festival which makes the um, delivery and the logistics and, and that kind of thing difficult and complex changing a lot about the awards um, we've got the publicist thing happening yeah. um, there's turmoil with our customers you know Martin Sorrell's left what does that mean etc etc so it's kind of in a sense all hands to the pump at the moment and we're five weeks out from the festival so that's really the reason and then post festival you know I'll be chairman but that's much more advisory it's not involved on a day to day basis great and so for my final question um, what if you could start again with the festival you know so not with the 65 years of heritage you know, not with uh, what it's grown in today. If someone came along to you today and said, I want to do this, is there anything that you would do differently? Uh, you mean through reinventing line, uh, lines completely again? Um, you must lay <laughs> awake at night thinking, oh, if only I could do this. Yeah. I, th I think I'd, um, what would I do? Um, I don't think I'd do a huge amount differently. I think I would... Um, I would try to have structured it, and I don't know how, but I would have tried to have structured it so that we could be more agile when it comes to move, uh, moving with the industry. Um, so, for instance, uh, some people say you shouldn't have any categories because it's kind of it's really old-fashioned thinking. You know, nobody thinks like that anymore. Nobody thinks oh, I need to do a print ad and I need to do a film. People think much more holistically. Right. So you shouldn't have any categories. But of course, logistically, we can't possibly do that because mm. it would just be one massive, great, huge, it would just be impossible to do. Um, so in a kind of hypothetical world, I would love to be able to do something like that, like have no categories and say, you know, this is completely future-facing now. But I suppose those things are, you know, they're, they're not possible because we kind of are where we are. So I don't think there's a lot we would do differently. What we try and do, and sometimes we come in for criticism, sometimes we don't, we try to provide for the industry a an event and an award that is befitting of such an important industry. Um, we try to take as many views on board as we possibly can um, because what this industry, I think, understands is that if Can Lines wasn't here, they wouldn't have anywhere. They wouldn't have their own event. There wouldn't be an event. Mm. Um, and it's a very precious thing and so and, and you know we take that responsibility very seriously as kind of custodians of this um, and that's what we try and do and sometimes we succeed and sometimes we don't great and just finally is there anything you'd like to tell the listeners that outside of my questions about this year or anything in general no not really just to um, I think just to always remember that the way through all of the all of the challenges that we all have is creativity 
and we 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 see that all the time and we see the proof behind that all the time so i'm sure most of your listeners are in the creative world and uh, good on them because that's what that's what's going to get us through great phil thomas thank you very much thank you very much indeed thanks for having me